Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. All right. Mallory Rubin is the editor-in-chief of The Ringer and one of the founding editorial members of the site. She and Jason Concepcion co-host the Binge Mode podcast, which has covered Game of Thrones and Harry Potter, among other pop culture and literary obsessions, and which was named Time Magazine's number one podcast of 2017 and number four podcast of 2018. Uh, Jason Concepcion first gained no notoriety through his popular Twitter account, Network. <laughs> his witty social media missives on sports and pop culture got him hired as a staff writer for Grantland in 2014. Since 2016, he's worked at The Ringer as a writer, podcaster, and host. And finally, Shay Serrano's most recent book, well, his most recent book is Movies and Other Things, but before that, Basketball and Other Things was, among other things, a number one New York Times bestseller and selected by President Barack Obama as one of his favorite reads of the year. Wow, I'm so famous. His previous book, The Rap Year Book, was also a New York Times bestseller and is being turned into a documentary that will air on AMC in 2019. Currently, he is a staff writer for The Ringer. All right, everyone, please put your hands together and give a warm Skylar welcome to Shay Serrano, Mallory Rubin, and Jason Concepcion. setup. This is tough. This is very <laughs> Is there a third uh, tall chair? No, there's only two. Awesome. Awesome. Do you want to switch? <laughs> um, a couple of housekeeping items. Jason forgot to mention that he won an Emmy recently. Yes. We just say that. Also, and this is my favorite trick to play, uh, my illustrator, Arturo Torres, is here. He didn't come down because he was sad because we didn't introduce him. And uh, I did it on purpose because I know how sensitive he is. But he, it, where, where is he for real? He's with the cat and he's allergic. He's, allergic. So. he's upstairs. His throat is closed. Great cat, though. Um, there he is. There he is. Legitimately the best working illustrator in America right now. Doing So all of the same stuff that was said in my introduction. A couple of bestsellers under his belt, recognized by President Barack Obama. His book getting turned into a TV show. It's all the same for Arturo. So I just want to make sure we just got one more time, one more time. Okay. And then, of course, we have Mallory and Jason. Um... So, so. I feel like my parents are getting divorced. <laughs> Son. I wanted to, each of these stops that we go to, I like ask two people to sit up and up here and, and talk to me about a couple of different things. And I always try to find people who write about stuff in a way differently than I do. And I'm trying to, I was at the, I was at our little hotel trying to figure out like how to explain the difference between the way that I, I will write about something versus the way that Jason and Mallory write about something or think about something. And, and I came up with a, a story, and I'm going to tell you, and this is, this is going to be like me explaining the difference in the way that I write and the way that you two write and like why it was important for me, for you all to be here. So uh, a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, Laramie and I, Laramie's my wife, we went on our first anniversary. It, it was 10 years after we got married, and we finally went on, a, uh, on our honeymoon trip. Where'd you go? We went to Italy. What part? Right? Nice. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just showed up with a backpack. I just stuffed a, like I stuffed a suit in a backpack and went, whatever. We're in Italy, and she tells me one night, hey, we're going to go to a ballet. And it was like a, 
a very cool ballet in this like old Italian opera house. It was beautiful. It was like the thing that you see in the movie. She wore this beautiful dress, or not a dress, but like this beautiful outfit. She had her hair all done. And I was just in my wrinkled up suit from my backpack. And we're watching the show. And it's like a, it's a, a beautiful moment. And we leave out of there. And it's like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm ready to go back to the hotel room. But everybody out there eats like super late, apparently. We see people stopping off in different restaurants like as you're walking back. And she's like, would you like to go to dinner with me? And I was like, absolutely. I would like to go to dinner with you. We went to this gorgeous restaurant right by like wherever the people are with the gondolas and they're singing. You can hear them out of the window. <clears throat> I'm sitting here at the dinner with this beautiful woman. There's candlelight. There's soft music playing. This handsome Italian waiter walks over and he's talking to her in Italian, and she doesn't know what he's saying, but she's falling in love with him, and it's great. And I'm watching it happen, and I'm just like, this makes so much sense right now. <laughs> and when they're, whatever he's done saying, she like orders her drink, and she like, she orders some sort of wine. I don't know what, what the wine is, but she knew what she was talking about, and she's ordering it. She's got this long, beautiful neck, and she's very graceful, and I'm like, this is a movie star that I'm sitting here with, and I love this exact moment right now. And then he turns to me, and he's like, and what can I get for you to drink? And like an idiot, I go, uh, do you have root beer? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the first story that I thought of when I'm thinking about like the way that y'all think about stuff or write about stuff. <laughs> and the way that I do. In that situation, y'all two are Laramie. Very elegant and smart and like graceful in your writing. And here I'm like, you want to drink a soda? <laughs> so here we are. First of all, root beer is delicious. I love it. Second of all, that's the plot of Spider-Man Far From Home. Is it really? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. I'm, I'm Spider-Man then. Pretty close. <laughs> okay. Um, so in the book, there is a, a chapter in there where I had several of my writer friends um, answer a prompt for me. It's a, it's a trick that I do in, in each of my books. Uh, the reason that I do it is, number one, because... It helps fill up space, and I don't have to do it. It's like a chapter off for me. I just write an intro and then let everybody else go. But also, I like to have other voices in there uh, because I want for the books to feel like it's not just me telling you what everything is. It's more like we're having a conversation. Anyway, in this book, the prompt that I asked Mallory and Jason to answer was, um, which movie death affected you the most as an adult? And I knew I was going to get very good answers out of both of them for different reasons. And so... That's one of the questions that, I, uh, that I'm going to ask you right now. And then I also have like three or four other ones that I had considered before I landed on that one. And so I'm going to ask you those ones also. Um, Jason, can you? Sure. Can you t yeah, I'm going to give you this one. Can you tell us, or you can take sure. that one. I picked, I wrote about the death of, sure. <laughs> you see what I'm talking about? <laughs> I wrote about the death of Private Mellish from Saving Private Ryan, the uh, Steven 1998 Steven Spielberg World War II movie in which uh, Private Ryan, now an older man, reminisces about events that he was not present for. And <laughs> it's just a thing that bothers me about that movie, although it's a very good movie. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, you know, it's just like a very intimate death scene in which uh, Mellish is like holding out with another guy in a corner apartment. The walls are all shot up. They're holding out against the Germans. The Germans are coming up. Uh, his compatriot is killed. He kills one guy as he's rushing into the room, and then the other guy comes in, and now it's like a... a fight to the death. They've got each other around like the collars and they're, um, Mellish pulls a knife and he's about to stab the guy but then the tables get turned and now the German's like pushing the knife down onto his chest yeah. and then Mellish like tries to call a timeout. He's like, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. And that just really struck me as something that like, oh yeah, that you would definitely do that. Right. I would definitely be like, okay, I was just, let's call it off. <laughs> I changed let's my not, mind. I, am not, I don't want to do it. Let's not do it. <laughs> Let's just stop. Right. Uh, and that really affected me. I, I remember that scene. So as soon as you sent me your answer back, I knew exactly who you were talking about and why you were talking about it because I felt the same way. I had never watched a war movie. This is like a very intense war movie. Um, 
just body parts getting exploded off of bodies and everything. And I had seen that. I'd seen Hamburger Hill before. Hamburger or I'd Hill. seen like the last half of Full Metal Jacket or Platoon or even Dead Presidents where they're like fucking Dead cutting Pres- the guy's yeah. head off as a souvenir. But I had never watched a war movie where I, uh, somebody begged for their life. And he, was, he just couldn't think of anything else. Yeah. And he's like, please don't kill me. Yeah. Not great. Did you? <laughs> it, it, it didn't make me feel good. Did you cry when that happened? No, but I was like, I was definitely like, oh fuck. Plus, I saw it in the theater, and it was like, uh, it's an interesting energy in the theater because there was like a lot of younger people in the theater, um, and I was working in a movie theater at that time, and so I, like a lot of people were like, yeah, Spielberg, man, fucking World mm-hmm. War Two, here we go, this is gonna be the shit, and they're. You know, the ramp comes down on Normandy Beach, and then it dudes just get like evaporated in like a hail of bullets. Yeah, that was tough. Skulls coming apart, and it just like everybody was just like, oh shit. There were news stories about like actual World War II veterans. Yeah, staggering out of the. Yeah, having to leave or going into shock or whatever. Like, that sucks. I mean, it was it was it was intense. It and really like a a kind of groundbreaking war movie in the sense that it was the first war movie that really was like we're going to show you we're going to attempt to show you how bad it was in a, in a real way with like with just bodies coming apart and dudes holding their guts in and in a, in a real visceral you are there kind of way if this if, if you're dropped into this movie I'd last, who, what, I'd who, last 15 seconds what are you talking about? <laughs> which one of these guys are you are you the guy begging for his life? Uh, probably. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. Probably. I. I would be that guy. I'd probably be. Um, you know, I'd be the guy that was like carrying way too much equipment and trying to go into like the war zone with like a typewriter and like. Five things. Um, I'd be the guy who didn't. Who hearing. Mellish like scream. Oh, in the hallway. Doesn't go up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be that guy. That sounds like a good yeah. guy to be. <laughs> Mallory, um, do you want to talk about the war? Or do you want to talk about your your <laughs> your pick? Just want to commend you on the cheerful opening note for this gathering. <laughs> <laughs> Very pleasant. That's your that's your guy right there, teeing it up. My dude. Uh, I wrote about. Wilson, the volleyball from Castaway. <laughs> Can you, uh, <laughs> that's a jump. Um, all right. Uh, Can, that's a, that's a bit of a self-parody, I have to, I have to admit. But mm-hmm. I don't know. When you asked the question, I just found myself thinking of, you know, I get very sad very easily. Right. Reading stories, watching shows, watching films. Like to feel the emotion. Let right. it wash over me. No shame, you right. know. Lean into the tears. But when I was thinking of specifically something, because you framed it as as an adult, right? That like really struck you, and I thought about how I perceive death differently as I have aged, mm-hmm. and the reason that Chuck losing Wilson and watching him float away in the ocean as he's on the raft stuck with me so much is because it's not really about death specifically; it's about the power of connection mm-hmm. and how that can transform your life. Right. And specifically in that scenario, that was the only source of connection that he had. And, you know, if that movie's out now, that's just like a meme, right? Real quick, but yeah. But it was really such a sincere achievement and such a beautiful thing that you could take this inanimate object and then impart all of this life onto it. And literally things like, you know, the handprint of blood. It's like, well, okay, they're blood relations now, right? right. You know, and the the way that he confides in him like he would with a friend. And part of that is because there's just the absence of any other opportunity for any interaction with a living being mm-hmm. or a non-living being. But part of it was because their bond was real. They saw some shit together, you know? <laughs> and to wake up from the raft and look and see that he was floating away and then to realize that he can't go after him, that's yeah, the part that's, that's like so gutting. Yeah. Because if he does, he's going to die. And then what was any of that for, mm-hmm. right? And so that idea of choice and consequence is also, I think, just like incredibly powerful. And then when he shouts, I'm sorry, like he really let him down. I just think it's really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it made me really sad. 
Poor Wilson. Do you think Chuck watches volleyball, like professional volleyball? <laughs> Probably not. What is he? Like, Triggering. At, so the movie ends with him, they're implying he finds like a new love of his life mm. with the, the, the woman that he meets. And I wonder, they start dating. It's getting serious. And okay. She like comes to his house. She's like, hey, um, can I use the bathroom? Like, yeah, yeah, it's right. It's the second door. And she walks down the hall and she like, opens the garage door by accident and it's just fucking full of volleyballs. Oh, <laughs> She's like, what is going on? It's, it's just <laughs> hand splats on each one of them. It's like uh, the collection in Last Man on Earth. They all have faces painted on them yeah, and yeah, names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so you sent the thing and I read, like, as soon as I saw the name you picked and I was like, oh, this is going to be good because I knew you were going to figure out, out a way to like get in and out of it and very similar to what you what you just did, and it's interesting mm -hmm. to me, you pointing out, um, when he gives the, the ball the name, and he starts mm -hmm. calling him Wilson, sure. you know, then Wilson becomes real. Right. That's like a real that thing that happens. Like, we had, like a, we're living in a, in a townhome, me and the kids and my wife, and there was a, a spider. It was like a little tiny courtyard, sure. and there's a, a wooden fence that like separates us from the parking lot behind us, and in the corner of the fence was a spider web, mm -hmm. and in the middle of it was a big spider. He was like this big. Did you name him Charlotte? We named him Steve. Steve the spider. That was his name. It was a, the, the baby wasn't born yet, but the other two were like five years old, and so we would, we, one of them found him one day, and they were like, oh, come look at this spider. It's like a shiny spider, mm -hmm. and we went, and we saw him, and we were like, oh, that's cool. And then, like, two days later, we were back out there playing, and he was still there in the same exact spot. And that's when we gave him a name. And we're like, oh, the spider's still here. Like, we should name him. What are we going to name him? And they were first. The kids were, are terrible at naming things. They just add a Y to it. Mm -hmm. They're like, we'll call him Spidery. I'm like, no, we need a better name. We ended up on Steve the Spider. Anyway, Steve the Spider became part of our life for a week. Easy. Yeah. Every day. Oh. Every that's day. That's not very long. I thought you were no, going to say, like, long, years. No, that's a long, for a five-year-old, for a five-year-old, that's, that's a long time. And so they would come home from, uh, from their little daycare school, and we would put our stuff away and then go out there and check on Steve the Spider every day. Hey, what's up, Steve? We'd start talking to him. He never responded, which I thought was rude. <laughs> um, and then one day we came home, and Steve the Spider was gone, just gone. And I wasn't expecting to feel as emotional about it as I did because I told them, Oh, he like he just left. His fa he went to go with his family. Right. That's what I'm telling them. I'm like fighting. I'm telling. I'm making up a lie as we're going. I know in my head a bird ate Steve, <laughs> and it just broke my heart. It's devastating. And, yeah, and this is this talk is turning into a That's real good. bummer. <laughs> um, anyway, I wrote about King Kong in the thing. 2005 King Kong. Peter Jackson's King Kong. Um, I don't know. Uh, and again, this is the difference between the two of us. Jason is able to explain why this thing touched him. Mallory can explain, oh, because it's not about death. It's about connection. Like, I can't do that. I'm just like, I saw an ape. Is that what I sound like? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not what you sound like. That's like what I sound like trying to sound like you, which is why I don't do it. Um, I just saw an ape on the, on the screen. We were, it's an 80-foot screen or whatever it is. It's this giant ape, and I fell in love with him. Um, it happens early in the movie. They're like, he's like a charming guy. And he's with Naomi Watts, and she's trying to, like, win him over. And he's, like, he does this with his hand. And he, like, turns away from her, and then he looks at her. And I'm, like, all right, I love you that fast. I love you. And then they, like, kidnap him, and they take him to New York, and they make him part of a stage play where they – this is, like, a, the biggest dick move that Jack Black does. Is he's, like, we're, we're not only going to kidnap you. We're going to put you in a play and recreate the kidnapping every single night. They chain him up on the stage. They, like, have the – the dancers come out, and everybody's sort of pretending. They're reenacting it. That's what they're supposed to do anyway. And the first night that they do it, um, the woman playing Naomi Watts comes walking out, and he sees her, and he, like, perks up a little bit. And he's like, oh, yes, finally. And they, like, pull the hair out of her face, and he sees that it's not her, and he goes, like, <laughs> like he's confused. And he gets really, really mad, and he just fucking loses his mind. And he, like, breaks out of the chains, and he's holding her. And this is my favorite part of the whole movie. He's holding her, and he's mad that it's not her. Um, and they just do it's like a quick cut shot, but rather than like set her down, he just fucking throws her <laughs> like a like a doll. He's like, nope, boom, and he throws her, and they, he like busts out of the out of the wherever they are, the stage, the auditorium, and now he's like fucking gorilling his way down the street, and Adrian Brody is there, and the yeah. cars are swerving out of the way. 
like whatever. He happens to see the real Naomi Watts, and he like, oh my god, and he grabs her, and he's like, we're fucking out of here. Yeah. And they take off, and they're gonna go on a date. Mm-hmm. It's crazy who you run into in New York. Just, <laughs> just in the street. Yeah. I ran into Donald Faison when I was in New York. Turk from Scrubs. It's the, it's the most starstruck I've ever been in my life. In my life, we were doing like an interview thing, and I left, and he was in there with Laramie, and I came back, and I was like, "Did he hit on you?" And she thought I was like mad about it, and I was like, "I hope he hit on you, <laughs> because that would make me feel so good." Um, and he didn't. He was super kind. Um, she called him Turk, which I thought oh. was not great when he walked in. She was like, oh, Turk. And then he was like, mm, nope. And he just kept on about his business. Anyway, he sees Naomi Watts. He picks her up. They take off. And they, he's trying to escape. And they end up uh, at Central, I think it's Central Park. I don't know a lot about New it's York. Fine. Whatever. Um, but the pond is frozen over, and he gets on it. It's the first time he's ever seen ice and snow. And he starts playing. Mm-hmm. Just, it just stops. Everything stops. Um, he's like spinning around on the ice and sliding on it and crashing into the snowbanks, and she's laughing and he's laughing or gorilla laughing, and I was really like pulled in and I had totally forgot that everyone wanted him dead at that moment, and I, my my whole guard was let down and then a fucking out of nowhere a missile comes in and explodes and as soon as that happened and I remember they were gonna kill him right there and I couldn't help it and I don't know why but in like the back of my chest pushing all of my emotions out of my eyeballs, I just started crying. And not like, like I cried in the movie Coco when Miguel is singing to his grandma at the end. And it's like, I remember my grandma. It was like that, right? But this was, this was, like, a, this was like a full on like, <laughs> like I was really, I wish I was joking, but it was like just tears coming down my eyes and I have no idea why. And here's the best part, Jason. Here's the best part, Mallory. This is the best part. Um, like three months earlier, yeah. I had I was at a Jack in the Box and I saw a sign for the Big Brothers Program of America, okay. and I signed up at Jack in the Box for Big Brothers Program of America, and when I was at the movie theater, crying to King Kong, this was the first time I had taken my little brother out. Aww. Yes. Aww. So a ten-year-old kid named Sylvester <laughs> is sitting next to me. I've never met him before. <laughs> And I'm crying, and he's looking at me like, I think this is a bad idea that I signed up. It was incredibly embarrassing. Anyway. That's beautiful. It's not. It is. I think it's nice. I can't imagine what happened at his house when he went home and told his poor mother that this man took me to the theater and then cried at King Kong hard, Mom. He cried hard. It must have been so confusing. Um, Anyway, that's what I wrote about. I don't think I mentioned Sylvester in there. I probably should have. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're going to do the next question. Okay. Yeah. Jason, you can go first. No, Mallory, you go first. Um, here you go. This is a question I wanted to ask everybody. I'm going to ask you now. Okay. Um, which horror movie universe? We can, we, we can drop you into any horror movie universe. We're going to put you in there, and everything that happens in that movie is suddenly real and, like, can become a part of your life. Okay. Which one do you want to be in the least? A little background. I don't like horror movies, and I can't handle them. Good. I am not strong enough. Okay. And when I was seven years old, my neighbors, the Boshes, went to play with my friend Adam Bosch and his older brother, Probably shouldn't use their full names. <laughs> <laughs> Older brother. <laughs> yeah. Just keep on giving them information. Uh, let's pretend that's a pseudonym. His older brother made us watch Child's Play. And I was like fucked up for a long time. How after old are that. you when this happened? I was seven years oh, old. Per- that's perfect timing. One like, I, I can't remember. One is kind of like legitimately tries to be scary, and then they get funny. I they were not funny okay. to a seven year old. I remember yeah. something like a murder via ruler in a yeah. in a school. Oh yeah, that's that's a yeah yeah, yeah. that's part one. That's part one. Awful. <laughs> and after that, I just never wanted to watch horror movies. Couldn't do it. I stayed away from them for a really long time, until until a few years ago before I married my now husband 
he loves horror movies. Awesome. And he felt that my refusal to watch them was depriving him of an experience that he cherished. And I, back then, still cared about being a sympathetic partner. <laughs> and so I told him that once a year on his birthday, I would watch a horror movie with him. As long as he respected my wishes and treated me with compassion uh-huh. and basically wasn't a dick about it. Didn't try to scare me. That was my only rule. Jason's heard this story a lot. He's not allowed to scare you? <laughs> yeah, that was the rule. I will Don't watch this with you. Don't, Don't scare, scare me. me during the movie. <laughs> or oh. immediately after. So okay. he chose The Descent. Oh, good pick. And I've never Wait, recovered. <laughs> I'd rather not. They yeah. go spelunking yeah. in a it's a cave. cave go ahead, Jay. A group, ahead. group of women go spelunking, and there's like a lot of interpersonal drama that happens. Right. Someone has died previously. They argue a lot, and then plot twist: as they go deeper into the cave, uh, there are like mutants down there that are that are they're murdered, murdering mutants. They're blind murdering mutants. It's awful, and at the end of that, I thought, okay, I never want to do that again. But at least Adam was kind to me. Then I went into the other room to get ready for bed, turn the lights off, got into bed, and I turn around and I look in the doorway. It's a strong bit, though. And <laughs> if anyone has seen the movie, you'll, you'll know what I mean, but he was like, like this? <laughs> Moving like the creatures. And it was, it was so mean and so terrifying, and I have not watched a horror movie since, mm-hmm. with the exception of like, mainstream horror that I feel an obligation to watch to participate in the conversation of the moment and or do my job, like get out. Right. So my only two, I share that to say, my only two picks can be those two movies because I'm really not familiar with the wider canon. I'm going to pick Child's Play. Okay. Because I cannot foresee a scenario where I choose to go spelunking. No. Or really engage in unnecessary physical exertion of any sort. That's like one of them ones where you, if you get attacked by a shark, you kind of had it coming. Don't go in the ocean, 100%. you know? Yeah. yeah. Stay at home and watch a movie about the ocean. There you Think go. of it that way. But I am surrounded every day of my life by things that I trust to just behave in the way that I expect them to. <laughs> and so the idea that they might not, that I might be betrayed by either a social norm or some sort of standard that I expect, like a doll, mm-hmm. being a doll. And then if it came to life, not being a cool a, one, like a, a Toy counter. Story doll, but killing right. me. Right, that's my counter. That so would be then, tough. So then Toy Story is really an existential horror series. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, if they started to kill people with rulers, it would be. You know, if a drop of Woody's blood got into a vat of plastic and it passed some sort of, like, curse that then made all the other Woody's murderers, Wait, hold on. then this yeah. Is, this is good stuff. Let's, let's save this and write a spec script. <laughs> <laughs> I think first, I think we should debate whether or not he could kill somebody with a meter stick. It seems like it's not going to work. They break pretty easy. I, I was always, I was always confused about like why Chucky was so strong. Me too. He's like, he you just know, grabs he's like a hold of you. Yeah, like, why is he so strong? I can't get him off. Yeah, he's, he's, like, a he's a fucking foot tall. Yeah, just fucking do this. Fucking made of plastic, just throw him off. He was. So he was the—he was like the one horror movie monster that I was not afraid of. I was of not afraid of him at all. At all. Get the, get the fuck out of here. Any, any, him. any other one? If they walk in the door right yeah. now, if it's like Michael Myers, you're like, fuck. I can't beat up. I can't beat up Michael Myers. But Chucky from Child's Play. It's tough. You can legit just hold him. You can hold him. Mike Myers, I'm like, dude. Let me espouse the virtues of therapy to you. No chance. That, that didn't work. It didn't work. He tried it for a significant period of time. It didn't. It didn't. <laughs> Jason, what what what's your uh, what are your what do you not want to be? What do you not want to be real? See, that's why mine broke. That's right. I'm gonna do so. I'm gonna do the the universe I don't want to live in, the house that I wouldn't, the horror house that I would not oh, okay. want to visit, and then the one that I would most. Want. Wow, you prepared. So the, I just asked you this question. So the. I'll start in reverse order. I, the universe I would most like to be in is the Halloween universe because, like, everybody fucks up with Michael Myers. You're, you're in car distance from him. you gotta put, you got to make him get on a plane. Mm-hmm. Put a body of water 
in between you and Michael Myers, put like a continent, get get out to the coast, get like away. I disagree. Get across. The, he's dis- not coming on a. He's not getting on a no, plane. Go I, to Italy. I disagree Live with. There. The, I disagree with this strategy. Why? I think he can get to you. No, he won't get it. He's he not can, getting on a plane. He can get on a boat and just come <laughs> he's to you. He's not gonna get on a boat. <laughs> get Michael on a Myers boat. on a boat. Jason Voorhees got on a boat in that, and when he goes to Manhattan, yeah, remember true. that? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he could. Jason do that. takes Manhattan. Listen, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I think you. I think you go the opposite direction because here's what, here's what we know about Michael Myers. Right. Like you can't you can't do this with anybody else. Like Jason, Jason is not above throwing something at you. Sure. Like he has speared a number of people. Right. There's not. It's like yeah. Michael Myers doesn't do that. Michael Myers has to be arm length away. Everybody in this front row right here is safe I, from Michael Myers because he can't get you. There's a part in Halloween H2O where. Yeah. They are. They already know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Josh Hartnett. And his girlfriend yeah. are are like in a gated door, and Michael Myers is on the other side of it. And all a, he can do is this. He's got he's got and a, he can't reach them, and they're perfectly fine. He's got a low, he's got a not like a medium wingspan, and he's not not a lot of foot speed. Yeah. So like I just that's why you no, know for you me you have to keep him in in your line of sight. That, that's what I, you have to do. I. I, Stand I, I in the hear, middle of the street. I hear you when he's there, you. when he's in your direct presence, line of sight. Absolutely, yes. But like, if you look at it, if you really look at the movies, <laughs> everybody stayed in that. They stayed in that like thirty to forty-five minute driving range. And Michael it, can come, do that. He, keeps he absolutely can do that. He can drive thirty minutes. Show me, show me, Michael. Show me, Michael. Were, like putting in a half day. Show me, Michael putting in eight hours on the road. There were. Show there me, were, Michael. <laughs> I, I don't think he can do it. I don't think he could do it. There were people who, when I was saying, oh, we have a book he signing in He Michael LA. going to a restaurant? Yeah. It's not going to happen. He literally he, went, goes popped. to a restaurant. I know, but he will, but like, then you'll just caught. watch, you just watch the news and be like, he went to a crazy gas murder at a, at a rest stop and killed three four people. hours from you. Yeah. And you just get out of there. He can't. The White Walker. You're using the White Walker rules. Yeah. Oh, well, that's different. It's like the White Walker. Totally the monster from It Follows is the same thing. It's gonna, it's gonna get you. Anyway, there were people. Okay. So that, but I, there, I'm standing by it. He can't get on a plane. I'm right. going. I'm going to like. I'm going to. I'm going to live okay. in Spain. Well. He's not coming. Have fun getting right. stabbed. A bil- in when? A in like a, times. All right. He's not coming. He's not coming to Spain. All right. Okay. And then the house that I would least like to be in, horror movie house, is the house from Don't Breathe. Okay. With the blind, oh, so with the blind guy, Blumhouse yeah. house movie, blind veteran. I've heard you talk about this. Who is? It's uh, a fun movie. It is a fun movie. Can I tell? Can I explain what I know about the movie just from hearing you talk about it? There's one thing I know about it. He keeps uh, his own semen in a bunch of jars. And so I'm out on that. I don't want to be in that. I don't want to be in that home. Wait, you? I don't want to be in. That. You don't do that. I don't want to be in the home. Not to the level that he had. I mean, he's like got <laughs> like mason <laughs> jars. What's the limit? Like, what's the most? The limit of- is one is is any any amount. <laughs> the, the limit is any amount, and I'm just out on it. I'm okay. just out on that guy and everything he's doing and the way he keeps his home <laughs> and, all, and all of it. And then finally, the universe I wouldn't want to live in is the uh, the um, quiet place universe. That because was it's like and you can't talk and I just there's sure. a work there's a workaround. I love it. Go live by a waterfall. Why did Why did he wait that long to tell his kids that th- about the waterfall? Because they he, were like he's a horrible ten years a old, horrible father. Yeah, come on, man. I you knew as soon as he didn't take the batteries yes, away. Thank you. He's just like he thank put you. Them didn't right, take the batteries. Oh, here, don't one, get these. Two, it's like they don't get it by now. Like you don't get it. Don't put the fucking batteries in the yeah, toy. Yeah. You don't see what's going around here. <laughs> you don't get, see like the devastation all around you. Uh, I have a quiet place question for you. Yes. So everybody makes a big deal about they have another baby. Are they replacing the dead kid? I think, yeah. I think Is that so. what was going on? That's why they I had to do so. it? I think so, yeah. I think that's something like that, some kind of psychological issue like that. There's a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. I think it was probably an irresponsible uh, choice, but like, you know. He messed up so many life, times life in that finds movie. Life finds a way. He really did. I like at the end when the monster is there and they're like, I just have to make some noise. And rather than like throw a thing, he's like, come get me. And then comes, <laughs> My favorite. And then it comes and gets you. Yeah. My favorite thing about that movie is like how Krasinski was like not, he was like, I'm going to give you like a dozen different be quiet. Like I'm gonna do the one where it goes quick, where the the finger goes quick. Yeah. And then I'm gonna do the one where it's like, <laughs> and there's a little nod uh-huh. before it gets there. 
That's good work on his part. It is. And then he gives you the one where it's like, why is the finger in that position? Yeah. Maybe it's like baseball signs. I, d I don't know. I, just, I, think he quiet? Just, yeah. I think he just got bored with it and was like, and he does a two one. He does a double finger two. That means super be quiet. Like extra quiet. Yeah. The, uh, okay, the one that I don't want to, the one that I don't want to live in. Yeah. Um, because I would gladly live in either of the ones that you all have mentioned. Both of yours, Mallory. Sure, the descent, I'll be fine. Just don't go in the cave. Don't go in the cave. Or, or don't go in the woods or whatever. I mean, I wouldn't. Um, and then Chucky, like, fuck you, Chucky. Get out of here. <laughs> Michael Myers, I feel like I have a game plan for him. It would suck that he has what? to, like, always be around me all the time. But I could, but I could stay alive in that, in that one. The one that I can't stay alive in, though, uh, because you have no control over this, is if the exorcist is real. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Because little Reagan was minding her own business. It's tough. Way on the other side of the earth. She played Ouija once. Some fucking idiot digs up a thing on the other side of the planet, and she wakes up with a demon named Pazuzu in her. And, like, if that can be real, then it can just happen at any point to anyone. Exorcist was a movie where I realized, like, I'm not that good of a dad. Because as soon as one of my kids starts floating, like, I don't even like when they get the fever. And I have to, like, pay extra attention to them. But if you start floating, it's fucking, I'll see you in hell, I guess. <laughs> that was when you realized you weren't a good dad. That was not it. when you admitted in front of a room full of people that you'd be fine living in a universe where children's toys could come to life and murder anyone holding them. Yeah, it would be fine. That, that would be fine. I could, I, could ha I could handle the doll coming to life. Puppet master, fucking get out of here, little guys. What is it, the, the soldier movie where they come alive? Oh, small soldiers. Small soldiers? Fucking get out of here. There's no chance. I'm not losing a fight against a fucking 12-inch action figure, even if there's 10 of y'all. Quintessential hubris. This is, you're always the one who goes first in the film. That's very likely with, true. With small soldiers, there were a lot of them, to be fair. Sure. And they had weapons. Okay. They had weaponry. They had, okay, they had weapons that they do like this to you. Yeah, but like <laughs> over time. Yeah, but like, have you ever, like, I get a thorn, and I'm like, oh, my God, like... I want to die now. And then if you, like, a million of them are hitting you. Um, okay. If a million soldiers show up, I'm in trouble. <laughs> All right. You got me there. All right. Next question. Next question. Um, here you go. Oh, I like this one. I should have done this one. This is more fun than the movie deaths. Um, I realize now. You're on trial for murder. You're on trial for murder. You committed a movie murder. Yeah. You didn't do it. Or maybe you did. Who knows? Okay. But you need to be found innocent. You have to pick one movie lawyer to argue your case for you. Who are you choosing to defend you in a court of movie law? Mallory, you get to go first. Did I do it? You did, you did not do it. You didn't do it. You definitely didn't do it. Okay. Maybe you did. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to choose as my legal representation Atticus Finch wow. <laughs> from To Kill wow. a Mockingbird. Get back 150 years. Good enough for a Pulitzer and an Oscar. Good enough for me. Now, some of you might be thinking, Atticus did not actually win that case. Can you give us a rundown of what, what happens in this movie? Because again, it's 150 years old. It's, uh, it's a, a beautiful and wrenching tale that I'm sure everyone read in 10th grade. AP lit, whatever. I did not take any AP classes. <laughs> we didn't read that in remedial lit. <laughs> um, it's about a lot of things. It's about prejudice. It's about family. It's about identity. But the legal plot hinges on Atticus Finch, played by Gregory Peck in the cinematic adaptation, mm -hmm. uh, representing Tom, a black man in the town who is falsely accused of a crime by racist white people. And is, I'm glad that doesn't happen anymore. Doesn't. Like, not at all. We've gotten past that now. <laughs> doesn't feel like it's 150 years ago. Uh, Atticus does not win the case, unfortunately. Stop. And... Shortly after that, I think it's just a matter of days or weeks, Tom attempts to escape from prison and is gunned down and killed. 
It's not the outcome I would want. This is the guy you want with your life <laughs> on the line. A loser. Allow me to explain. Okay. A loser with integrity. And oh, what okay. really counts, like you know? Not, no, not getting electrocuted counts. There's, a lot. Did like anyone a watch? Lot. Did anyone watch Halt and Catch Fire? Okay, like three people. That's what I predicted. Great show. <laughs> and there's a moment in the final season where uh, Lee Pace, handsome, where his character, Joe, is saying... I won't sum up the plot, but says, to, to effect, uh, it was never about where we were going. It was always about how it felt. That's what I want for my legal representation. Wow. I want someone who I don't have to convince, who believes fully in my innocence and worth, and who is fighting for something more than just the outcome of that particular case, who is fighting for integrity, justice, fairness, and duty. Now, ideally, that would all net out in my innocence and freedom. <laughs> but we can't control what other people do. And so I want my case to stand for something more than what it is. Thus, I'm choosing Atticus Finch. You can control what the other people do if you have a better lawyer <laughs> than that guy. I suspect Jason has a different strategy. God, I hope I so. I do. Well, my, my initial uh, thought was Lieutenant Caffey, but I'd realized I had to be in uh, the military for that, so that's not going to happen. You're not joining the movie military? Not just to commit a crime, maybe, and then have him okay. represent me. It's like a long con that I'm not willing to go through with. <laughs> I think, uh, and so I went with Tanner Bolt from, Ooh, good call. from Gone Girl. Tanner Bolt, because no matter how bad it looks, he's there. As long as there's some heat on the case... Yeah. Tanner Bolt will take it, and the, he'll take it, and he'll take it pro bono. The opposite, the opposite, <laughs> the opposite of Atticus. Yeah, he's like, I don't Tanner care. Bolt, yeah. Tanner Bolt will take it for the heat, and he's good at it. And the worse it looks, kind of like the juicier it is for him. Yeah, and that's the kind of like a little so, scummy. So you did it in this. In no, this no, scenario. I'm not saying I, I'm, I didn't do it, but it looks fucking bad. It looks yeah, really when call, bad. When you call the wife murdering yeah, defender. Yeah, it looks, it looks super, super gone girl bad. <laughs> uh, you know, like all the like credit card bill racked up, all the stuff bought, like, you know, uh, bad text messages that I didn't write actually. Um, but Tanner Bolt's like, listen, we'll make this work. And I need to get you in front of uh, the cameras. Mm -hmm. And we need, we need to figure out your defense. I'm like, great. And how much does, are you charging? Zero? Great. Good. <laughs> okay, here's a. Uh, I have a question then mm -hmm. for you. Tanner doesn't get Nick off and Gone Girl. But Amy has to show up. Well, I mean that's extenuating circumstances. But I think like uh, here's the thing. <laughs> all of Tanner's all of Tanner's advice was very very good and very sound. Mm -hmm. And it's just and if it wasn't for the fact that he was up against Amy, who was like an all time uh, sociopath with like a really really good plan. I think he would have got him off. I think he would have got Nick off. Tanner, Tanner's at the top of his game. Here's another, here's another, I'm going to poke one more hole. Sure. Nick has the most important interview of his life on television. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And they don't prep until like five Thank minutes you. before. That's how, I'm, yeah, that's how. That's it, not a I, I, to me, that's more, uh, that's more a, uh, you know, that's more a reflection on Nick and the things that he had going on at the time. Like, take this shit seriously, my guy. Okay. Why are you out here? You know, like, take it seriously. Uh, Tanner is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think my pick beats both of y'all's. Okay. I'm just going to – we should know that because, number one, my pick won the case. Oh, that's it. Sure. Number two, she won the case, like, legit. We, oh. we were prepared ahead of time. Number three, she won the case. We were prepared, and she wasn't even fully a fucking lawyer yet. I know, yeah, okay. Give me Elwood from Legally Blonde. Yeah, that's good. Yes. Elwood is going to win the case. Well, I, can I poke she a... She was in law school. Can I poke a small hole, though? Go nuts. I There's mean, no... A, that's the thing. She's in law school. She can't actually take the case. Can but she, she did. Take it? She did. Can she take it? I watched her do it. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it happen. The judge is going to be like, are you allowed to do this? And she's going to be like, what? Like, it's hard? <laughs> Boom. We did it. Give me Elwood's every, every single time. I don't, yeah. I don't know who else you need. Especially if, like, if I committed this murder four years from now. I don't, is murder really her thing, though? I feel like. That's what she got the guy off I know, for. but I feel like, okay. She solved the whole case. She didn't need detectives. She didn't need anybody. 
She just needed to hear this person talk for a minute. She was like, everything is wrong, and this is all a lie, and I'm going to tell you how. Give me Elle Woods every time. Mallory, poke a hole in this. There's not one to be poked. This is fucking made out of titanium. I'm just distressed to learn that you're not interested in principles. I'm not. You know? Get, get me out of there. <laughs> That's what I want. Elle was a prince. I think she also is, yeah. if the if the the argument is basically like it was so easy for her, it just means you were up against a bunch of fools, right? Like the I I think that the, again Tanner did not prepare Nick. He did not solve the case. He has like a hundred thousand dollar retainer. You're only getting the pro bono treatment if you're on the national news every night for being a wife murderer. That's not a place you want to be. I am absolutely getting framed for that level of crime. <laughs> <laughs> Can we finish I'm binge mode Star Wars first? <laughs> <laughs> what about um, Lo- Kevin Lomax from The Devil's Advocate? Do, uh, do you want him? Will you take him? Uh, from The Devil's Advocate. <laughs> so you're asking me if I want like the person that Satan has handpicked <laughs> to bring his kingdom to earth as my lawyer. Only, that's only slightly worse than what Tanner Bolt is doing, by the way. Is it? Like, I, I'm just saying, like, part of this guy's CV is like, s- Satan is like, that's, I want this guy. Yeah. Same, want- same rules of the universe that you're opting out of, by the way, with the exorcist. You know, you don't want any part of that. If you're, if you're saying, I want that representation, then you're acknowledging oh. that you can have no. some sort of demonic influence, and then you're back in the exorcist, which you said you didn't want. My, my pick is, I'm trying to help y'all right now. I'm throwing we're, some other we're ones good. For, for you two. We're good. Atticus and I are building a statue in front of the Alabama bar right yeah, now. Yeah, and I'll make sure after I visit your statue to visit your grave, <laughs> because, you were, because you got the death penalty. Thanks. So That's kind. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last one. We're going to do one more. And then we're going to take some questions and then we'll get out of here. Um, who do you want to white savior you? Anyone? Any movie star. Oh. You need a movie easy. star to, to white oh, savior so you. Easy. And here's what's funny. This is when, so I, easy. when I had this question, um, I was, we were doing this in Brooklyn. It was me, Wesley Morris, a black man, Donnie Kwok. Asian, and I just right now, as I was saying this question, and I was like, oh, Mallory got this. Mallory's already white. So, but you get to pick somebody to like double I, white savior you, I, and I'm very jealous. Let's team up. Right now. Let me, so I, this is the easiest. You have one very, already? It's Brad Pitt, um, who is a producer with uh, Plan B Pictures. Um, here are some of the movies the many movies that he has produced, 12 Years a Slave, Selma, Moonlight. He's already, if Beale, if Beale Street could talk, this is like really he's already ready to, like, yeah, like he's, life? yeah, like he's, he's ready to do it. He's an ally. He's there producing the films already and his abs are like fucking washboard. Okay. He looks great still. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I, I'm going to go with a slightly different interpretation and pick a fictional character. It's getting worse. <laughs> the chords, I mean. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Look at this. We can solve anything together. Also, this is yours. You ju- Oh, you just white saviored me right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Meta. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so... I have two answers because the first one is something that you wrote a chapter about in your book that was really just the intro to the chapter because you basically said it was such an obvious pick for this kind of a prompt, Kevin Costner, in basically all of his movies, that you just need to state the fact and then move on. But I agree with the premise, and I would would nominate specifically Kevin Costner in Dances with Wolves. Okay. Okay. Don't like to think about that movie because I get extremely emotional thinking about what happens to Two Socks, the wolf. Right. Let's move on beyond that. That's one of my picks. If you should tell me it's not eligible because it is the premise of a chapter in your book, I'm ready with a backup, which would be Jake from Avatar. Oh, good pick. Okay. Unexpected pick, but I like it. Saved all the Navi. I mean, not all of them. A lot of them died. And, you know, <laughs> home tree, Thank- home tree, tree also. bad beat for home tree. 
but saved a lot of them, was willing to betray his own people, fight against them for the sake of this new world and community and culture that he had discovered and embraced, embraced it so fully that as Jason and I talk about regularly, they engage in coitus with their kale tips. Right. As one does. As one does. Deleted scene. Release the deleted uh, tail sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works for all of you. No judgment. And then at the end, he uploads his consciousness into his into his avatar full time. He is so committed Who that he that chooses that life. Yeah, that um, that's like the final level of white savioring when you like become the thing that you say. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you full Dola's out. Yeah. <laughs> you go full CGI. <laughs> That's a okay. All right, you win this round because I did not think I did not think of that that level of it. Um, I was also I, I like. There's something comforting about Kevin Costner. I, yes, the comforting thing about him is he's insanely handsome. Well, there's that. Also his voice. Also just everything. I, I don't the know. tight jeans. That too, I suppose. But he's hit, yeah he's hit great stuff. I think he's hit, like he's got the like the widest variety of white savoring like the Native Americans. You mentioned that one. He does it with uh, black people and it's a movie called literally called Black and White, where oh, he saves yeah. a little girl, the bodyguard, hidden figure. Like he, that's like his best stat with that community. The Mexicans in McFarland, USA. Which listen, that movie came out. That one and Black and White came out in the same year, and I was like, he's having a fucking great season right now. <laughs> Like a great white savior season. This is the LeBron of white savioring. He can do it all. Every genre, every, every, every race, ethnicity, whatever. Um, I know I shouldn't like McFarland USA. I should be like, this is terrible, but I love it. <laughs> and I don't know why. He goes in the fields and he works with the people. And I'm like, yes, that's what I want from my he white He saves savior. the postal service and the postman. He does that as well. That's, that's for like white people though. The ghosts? White people are like mailing stuff. More than anybody else. Like, if I tell my mom right now, can you mail this letter? She'd be like, what do you mean? I don't understand what you're saying at all. The Postal Service is an important uh, supplier of, of benefits to uh, people without higher education. It's a great, it's a great job. And oh, that's why it's white saving. Thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's great. Thank you, Kevin Costner, for saving the Postal Service. <laughs> um, all right, uh, an alternate pick. Mallory gave two. My alternate pick... Um, I like Sandra Bullock. I like oh. Sandra Bullock white savoring stuff. Blindside. Blindside. And the, the big bonus there is that her in that movie her family owns Taco Bells. <laughs> and I'm like, I would, I would, you know, I would be that guy. I would be like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll wear a sombrero in your house if you want me to. Let's go get some free Taco Bell. Let's take some questions. Sure. may have any questions. We're gonna take a few questions. Okay. Yes. Um, so, born, I think born would win. No. Yes. It's the guy who shoots everybody in the head. Hold on a second. <laughs> Jason Bourne kills a guy with like a, a bath rag. Sure. John Wick killed a guy with a pencil. Yeah, but the, you don't understand, you don't understand the millions of dollars invested in training Jason Bourne into becoming like a, an elite level killer who can like, not only can he kill people in a room fine. But he can like, he can run flat out for a long distance and he knows exactly how long that distance is and he can walk into a, like a restaurant and be like, that guy's a problem, that guy's fine, that guy got divorced, like this guy wants to fight me. There are too many times he had a fight or an interaction with somebody and that person did not die. That never happens about? with John Wick. It's recency bias. Every person that John Wick meets that he doesn't like dies. Everyone. Mallory, please back me up. Uh, I, I am going to go with John Wick here. Booyah! <laughs> but I, think, I do think you need a little more context, maybe. Like, what, what do they have access to? What's the setting? They're both in here. They both stand up right now in the middle of this room. <laughs> and guess what? John I mean, Wick has also killed a guy with a book. Yeah. He killed Boban right. with, a with a Russian literature book. The We're worst kind of book to weapons. die with. If you're, you're going to get into who killed people with non-gun like gun weapons, it, it, Bourne 
also he killed with a book. He also killed with a book. He killed with a pen. He killed with a fucking rolled up magazine. He killed with uh, the bath rag. He's killed with an incredible amount of of items, everyday items, just John stuff he has in his pocket. With a horse. Yeah, but like, come on, where are you gonna get a horse? Apparently, yeah, right. where he is. Next question. Uh, yes, ma'am. My hottest movie take? Um, I don't know that this is that unpopular right now, but my main one is I think that uh, I've come around on this. Fast and the Furious is the greatest movie franchise of all time. <laughs> I think if you're like adding up all of the parts and pieces, all of the things that it can represent, all of the money that it's made, all of the like moments it's given us, all of the like stuff that it's going to create in the future, we've already got multiple spinoffs. Give me, give me that one. All we need is an Oscar. Give Dominic, give Dominic Toretto his Oscar. Nice. About mine? I did this. On, I, this is recycling. This is take recycling, so I apologize, but I did this. But on listen that. to the hottest take. Listen to the hottest take. Indiana Jones is a grave robber, a colonialist. He just goes into countries and robs them of their history and heritage, willy-nilly destroying historical sites, uh, uh, and like maybe fucking his students. Like I think there's a lot of evidence. He's bad, and he should be canceled. And he's bad. That's a tough break, Mallory. Cancel culture is out of control. <laughs> out of control. Uh, you know I don't know. I'll I'll do I'll do one that we've argued about before on on binge. I ride hard for the Harry Hermione dance scene in the tent in Deathly Hallows. I think it's a great moment, and I don't think that every moment of warmth and interaction between two people has to mean that they were the ones who were supposed to be married. Um, and I'll also say, as a little teaser, that I think the Star Wars prequels are good. No, <laughs> I mean, they're awful, but they're good. Okay. <laughs> awful, right. but great. Next question. Uh, yes. Creed. I watched Creed on the airplane today. Me and Arturo, we were flying. We were flying from New York to LA. I watched three movies. I don't know how many Arturo watched, but as soon as we got off, he was like, "Hey, I watched the fight, the last fight from Creed." I was like, "I, I did. I watched the exact same thing from Creed." Also, he was in the back of the plane. They put him in C class way in the back. He's the biggest and tallest and this poor man's legs were up here. And yeah, it was, I felt bad for him, but like not bad enough to switch halfway through the flight. I said, like, you'll be, you'll be, I would be Creed. That seems like fun. Except for the deaf daughter and like the dead dad and like he fights for a little, I just want to be muscular for one day. Um, for one day, I guess I would be uh, T'Challa the Black Panther because played a pivotal role in saving the world, if not the universe, half the half the living things in the universe. And like, I'm a king of a whole like secret high tech nation. That's fucking incredible. What are you talking about? I'm richer than Tony Stark, probably. Like, I like let's get the numbers out, but I think I am. Um, just I just want to throw this out there. He got beat up by Creed. Hold on. Yeah, that is true. That's fair. This, okay, I'm going to go back to the hottest, the hot take thing, because I just thought of uh, uh, my other one. Yeah. Um, in draft day, Kevin Costner, our beloved Kevin Costner, oh, he takes Vontae Mack with the first pick, and everybody's like, this is a horrible pick. And then a couple years later, Vontae Mack turns into Black Panther. Fucking great pick now. <laughs> Cleveland Browns. Vont Super Bowl Vontae Mack, no matter what. No matter what. Great All right. line. Um, well, I'm tempted to say Shuri so that I can still hang out with Jason, but... Uh, I will go with, I want to say someone with magical powers because that seems fun, but I'm going to pick Elizabeth Bennett in specifically the adaptation of Pride and Prejudice that features Colin Firth so that I can, wow. Wow. I can fuck Colin Firth's, Colin Firth's version of Fitzwilliam Darcy. That is my pick. I stand by it. I'm so glad I don't have to go after that. We'll do one, we'll do one more. Yes, sir. That's a hard one. 
That's like a, that was a way smarter question than I was anticipating. <laughs> so I'm going to let Jason answer that um, one. A cultural decision? You know, Here we go. I think that, uh, so there's this comedian, Gabe Dinger, has this great bit about E.T., and this is kind of not what you're talking about, but kind of is. Uh, his whole point is that E.T. actually, like, is bad. Uh, because think about it, and he's not just like this cute alien, he's an astronaut alien, which means like he's an elite level, like scientist level alien, and all he's doing is like hanging out with kids and stuff and like touching them with his like weird glowing <laughs> finger. I think if you really look at it, if you really look at that, I get the, I get, you know, you get what the government's saying, like, hey, whoa, 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 hold on. Hold on, astronaut guy. Like, first of all, first of all, why are you hanging out with it? Two, like, you, there's six people on the on the spacecraft. You can't do a head, like, you guys are smart. You can't be like, oh, we're missing one of the six. We're just going to take off? I don't know what you're talking about right now, but I feel like you said E.T. was a pedophile? Yes! I mean, you could see how, how people would think it. Uh, that's all I'm saying. He... <laughs> he's oh my god he's acting like really super childish when actually you think he's like one of the elite aliens from his planet he's gone through training he's a scientist he's not just like a cutesy alien he's a fucking astronaut so okay so this is like uh the reason that we think he's a cutesy little alien is because he could, like only speaks a little bit of English. So this is like an immigrant story right now. When yeah, you're like, like you were a doctor in yeah. your land, and like over here, you I don't understand you, so you have to like clean the bathrooms now. Okay, this seems like a good place to stop before <laughs> everything just sort of spins thank out of control. You. Mallory, Jason, Arturo, thank y'all so much. Let's sign some books, thank y'all. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.